You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name is Trent Fleskins, your host. As always, we have Lauren Hart back in the studio today talking about the SDA space, that disability housing space that we spoke about a few months ago. The market's been moving, people have been building, people have been trying to build, trying to fill their SDA spaces. Lauren's also developed an online course that should be helping a lot of listeners today in the development space or who want to be in the development space in the SDA environment. We're trying to piece all those really, really hard pieces back together to be able to move forward with confidence with their investment strategy. Lauren, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me again. Good to be back. Hey, let's talk about that course. I want to start with it because this is the impetus for having a chat, but obviously we'll have much more of an update on the market as well. Tell us about this course, why you spend all that time putting it together and how is it going to help all those listeners in the development space listening to the show? Absolutely. Maybe slightly misleading. It's called O-Tuition, which is, I guess, byproduct of the fact I'm an OT and in part it's designed for OTs, but we've designed the first two modules to be used for anyone who wants to be in the SDA space. And we did that really intentionally. A big part of why we built the course is we get so many inquiries and requests for information, education and upskilling in this space from people who want to know more, want to be supported in the space, want to build in the space, want to invest in the space. And the reality is it's just so complicated that we could never convey the amount of information in the level of detail that it needed to do it justice and to give people the information, the education, the knowledge to actually take that away and go, all right, this is what we're going to do with that. A big part of the driver for us was let's build a course that covers SDA in layperson's terms, effectively sort of, I guess, debunking all of the different pieces of information, all the different parties involved and pulling it back together in a way that makes sense to someone new to the space and who has no baseline knowledge or little baseline knowledge. That's, I guess, kind of really what drove it for us. The first two modules are all geared towards that audience. So the first module's kind of an everything you need to know, a 101, if you like, covers who's involved, gives you an introduction to all the different pieces of legislation, the documents, the things you need to know. They're all downloadable and linked to the NDIS website, but in one place. And it kind of logically lays out how SDA works, why it exists and what all the moving pieces and parts are. And then it takes you through to module two, which is all about the design standard. And that's an in situ, really practical application module, which walks you through an SDA property that exists in Perth. And it talks you through every element of the design standard, what that looks like in reality and why that would be important for someone with a disability. As a developer, you not only need to know those things you were speaking about with regards to the specifics on the design standards of the house, but you need to know your market like always. And this is a very specific market. You need to know who you're building for and where they need it to be built. And that's a huge part of the feasibility in the SDA is that we're not just picking a location that we think works for us. It actually needs to very specifically meet the needs of where our clients, the people with disabilities, are living and want to live going forward. Absolutely. And I think that's what we've really tried to capture in module one is without trying to educate you to be a health professional or someone who knows and understands disability. Because we don't need to be as a developer. Correct. You don't need to. What you do need to know, though, is that if you build a high physical support house, this is the sort of person or disability that may be living there. And we try to, I guess, put it in a really practical, applicable way that gives you enough information that you can understand it without overloading you with information you don't want to have 
necessarily. I'm assuming it also talks to the financial remuneration of the scheme based on location, based on the type of accommodation in the support levels, how many people are living in this place. And that's a foundation for obviously the value of these properties for us to be able to do a feasibility on what we can pay for the site, what we can pay for the bill. So we sort of break down and explain the SDA price guide, which is the document that covers everything you've just described. So the key factors, the, the SDA price guide is a matrix and it covers design category and building type. And there's four of each. And what we cover in module one is these are the different building types. These are the different design categories. Here's the link to the price guide that tells you what you're going to get paid for them. But more importantly, you need to know the actual audience and the demand for these things and this is what they are. Don't just chase the highest rent return because there may not be anyone looking for that product. Correct. And if you take, you know, if we talk SDA market updates, the NDIA came out in uh, August or October last year saying, we believe that we're saturated for higher physical support apartments. Because everyone's going for this to get the highest rent. It's the highest rental return (laughs) on the SDA price guide matrix. And it's pretty clear to see that that's what everyone's gone really hard out the gate building and the NDIA turning around and sort of saying, look, you know, we, we think we're saturated. Whether that is the case in every state or city, it's hard to know. But the NDIA aren't approving a lot of single op- occupancy people and they're not approving a lot of high-level one-to-one support. And those things are why apartments are probably not in such high demand now as what maybe people thought they were when they went out building them. I would have thought that there's a, a low-hanging fruit here, especially in Western Australia, is the independent living space. People who need that support but don't need hoists uh, really just uh, might have intellectual disabilities and can live in group home situations that we can build these houses for. Yeah, absolutely. I think what's really challenging is the price guide for improved livability. So for example, someone who's able to walk and isn't using a wheelchair, it's the lowest part of the price guide, right? And generally the feedback we hear is there aren't a lot of people building it because they don't believe it's going to provide a commercially viable return correct they're not they're not able to stack it up in a feasibility i know that some of the not-for-profits who support those individuals are going ahead and building some of those dwellings because they can see the need directly within their own populations but globally speaking there's a very very significant shortage of improved livability and then robust as well across australia but in wa very much and that's where i think we always look to mitigate risk before maximizing profit and i think it's the same situation here what's better than having a hundred thousand dollars in rent that someone may or may not come and fulfill it's fifty thousand dollars in rent that you know you can fill in straight away yeah it's tricky because improved livability kind of sits a lot lower on that scale robust sits around that but i think people are a bit daunted by robust because there's a lot of unknowns and the people that you're servicing in that category could have such a varying degree of needs that it's not predictable i guess it's not one size fits all yeah absolutely which physical disability isn't either as an ot but from a physical spatial designing a house point of view there's a lot of common rules and there's a lot of common application whereas in robust not so much so going back to the design guidelines i think that's something that developers are really going to benefit from because whilst we're generally pretty good at looking at plans and maps we also like to look at the display homes right to get some context this course you've got you've actually got some great videos where you're sitting inside some of these homes and i guess showing all of us what these design guidelines look like in real life yeah, absolutely. I think that was actually the first driver for me wanting to do this course was to bring a, the design standard to life is what we've called it in the course because we get so many questions about this big, long technical document that we as certifiers administer, trying to ask questions and understand what that really means in reality and what does that mean for our builder and what does that mean for 
the participant. Because it's non-standard, a it's, lot of this. Yeah, it's not. It's very atypical. And so for people to be able to see that in reality, whether that's in the videos that are throughout the course or whether that's even in photos and diagrams, explaining it and breaking it down and why it's there, the feedback we've had thus far is that that's been really, really valuable for people to wrap their head around. All right, so I think the theme of this part of the chat is that there is now an online resource for developers to learn about the SDA, learn about the program, about design guidelines, it's available for you to download and have access to 24-7. What's it going to cost me? For the first two modules, which we've packaged up for, I guess, that sort of audience, it's 497 At the moment, it's running on an early bird discount, so it's 10% off that. So get in now. Get in now yeah. is the message. Good. Um, I think, honestly, Lauren, I think there's enough people out there, certainly in our audience, who are interested in this space. And the only reason they haven't pulled the trigger is because they don't have this sort of information. So this should give them that foundational knowledge to start having real conversations, not only with their bank, but with their builder, just to go, what are we building here? And that's what we're hoping for. We've had so many conversations with people who are, who are keen to be in the space. And the common theme from all of them is, that's really helpful. Where can I get that information? Mm. I haven't been able to find that. There's all this information on the website, but I can't put it all together. I can't condense it. You it's can't condense it. reams and, and reams of jargon. And you can't link it either. It's, you know, they're not all in one place talking to one another and that's yeah i guess what the course does all right let's look at the market now you've sit there assisting a number of the bigger players in the sda space who are early entrants into the market how are they going rolling out their construction how are they going finding their clients to move in it would be no surprise to your audience that the boom in the real estate market in perth is definitely adding a whole other level of challenge to roll out so land costs more buildings up 20 to 30 percent i think last article i read material and supply is pretty dire so i think the ndis scheme is already challenging and then you're kind of adding on this whole extra level of building landscape challenge yeah Yeah, absolutely as well yeah for sure so what you know used to maybe take 12 or 15 months to build is now taking 18 months maybe longer i guess bottom line they're all pressing ahead doing the best they can in the conditions but it has slowed everyone down across the board every sda person that we work with their development's have significantly pushed out in terms of budget and timeline, but that's not specific to SDA, right? That's the landscape. I think tenancy, we're seeing more and more people with SDA in their plan. So wind back to eight, maybe 12 months ago, we used to see a lot of people coming saying, look, I really want to explore SDA, but there's no mention of it in their plan. We're seeing a lot more people with it in their plan coming forward. Sort of like pre-approved is what you're saying. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, to be or, a client because they have to be eligible, right? They correct. can't just be like, hey, I'm disabled. I want to come and move into this house. They have to go through their own process of correct. qualification. Yeah, there has to be an eligibility process that's gone through. I think there's probably a bit more literacy and understanding now on the ground about being able to identify those people at the front end and some indication and awareness in their plan that this may be an avenue they need to take. In saying that, the NDIA processes are not really any different or any better than when we last spoke. It's still a bit of a grind. Time delays are pretty significant. You know, it's really we're looking at four to six months of turnaround to get someone through the process. But in saying that, the more awareness, the more education and the more literacy people have in the space, hopefully we're inching closer and closer to that being a smoother process. When you see finally some of these starting to be completed, the ribbons cut, are most of these places already filled with clients ready to move in, waiting to move in or... Are they, the developers scratching their heads asking you, hey, do you know anyone? We're fortunate that the people we work with are pretty involved and invested in the space. They're all day, every day talking to people, providers, coordinators. So they're working the entire length of a build to get tenants in. I think that's probably one of the main things to note is 
you can't wait for it to get built and then turn around and look around for tenants because they won't be there. And you're then probably waiting six to 12 months to even get some expressions of interest and get someone to move in. So it is, it's definitely a long game, but a lot of the product being built coming out of the ground, there's definitely strong expressions of interest in property. People who have indicated that they would like to be there, but they're still in, moving through the funding processes. It's probably just a time situation on the NDIA's side of things. I would have thought as the program starts to roll out, clients in the industry have starts to get colleagues and friends who start moving in there. It's the word of mouth starts to move, but maybe they're eligible as well. We'll start to see that pool in WA become a little bit more ready. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I think, again, comes down to how many people know about it, are exposed to it, can speak to someone who has half a clue about what they're talking about yeah. as well. Parents who have got friends with disability as well, who are in the same situation, get a bit more comfortable with the scheme. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're always dealing with layers of complexity and, dare I say, bureaucracy with the NDIS. A lot of the people we deal with have burnt out. They're burnt out from fighting for more funding. They're burnt out from waiting six to 12 months for critical pieces of equipment. At the moment, we're going through what seems to be a bit of a trend of people's plans being cut, particularly those who have really high-level support needs. So I guess that... Is this because of funding getting yeah. a bit too expensive? Yeah, it is. But when you look at the NDIS data, there's a lot of information that says the spend is increasing. And I think most people wouldn't contest that it is. But it's not that everyone's budget's going up. It's that people are utilising the majority of their plan now or people have had a change in circumstances, their conditions deteriorated. I think that a lot of the data that's out there that it's black and white and the spend's on this massive trajectory, it is on a trajectory, but it's not just providers asking for more money to support the same person with the, the same needs. It's not that simple. Mm. I think, unfortunately, the agency do paint it a little bit as it being that simple, it's just everyone standing there in a line asking for more money. It's really not the case. And we support more people with a lack of funding than what we do. Exuberant budgets sitting around. Developers always need to know their exit strategy. So you build these things. There's two strategies, I guess. One is to sit there, hold it, take the enormous rent coming in, enjoy the yield that comes from that, as well as the social good of what you've what you've developed for the risk. And that could obviously last for, for 20 years. The other strategy is to get this thing rented out, have your clients enjoy the home that you've built, and then sell it on based on what I'm assuming the market will be, will be valued around as a cap rate on, on the yield, a quasi-commercial valuation. One thing with regards to the exit strategy that people get nervous about is, well, look, if it's getting so expensive, is there a risk that the scheme starts to get pulled back? Do you think that's a possibility, especially now that we're in an election time, or do you think that'd be political suicide? I think the NDIA are cutting everything left, right and centre. And I think whether it's Liberal or Labor, there's going to be a big focus on cost and scheme sustainability, but there also needs to be that focus. I don't think SDA will be pulled out because you've now got significantly large institutions and there's an industry that have pumped a lot of money and a lot of time into building it out as a sector. I think that there's a lot of other areas of the scheme that are at higher risk than SDA. The problem with SDA is that they're this niche area that is dependent on so many other funding streams within the NDIS that those funding streams being at risk affects SDA, whether you like it or not. 
whatever happens in this game will affect SDA because we're talking about complex people, complex disability, high-end support needs, and therefore we're talking bigger budgets. And those are the ones that are going to attract attention. I can't see though that it can go anywhere because we're talking about 6% of the population, incredibly vulnerable. Where are they going to be otherwise? We've already got an absolutely dire social housing shortage mm-hmm. across Australia. Especially for those developments, those SDAs that have already been approved, people already moved in. I can't see how there is a real risk of any of those especially ever being pulled out no you would effectively be displacing someone from their home sda is all about it feeling like it's someone's home and no more would someone else's house be taken away from them should this house be taken away from them you know it just doesn't seem like it would happen doesn't seem likely exactly so my takeaways from your market overview is that obviously cost input costs have gone up like the rest of us there's probably a little bit more fluency in understanding in the sda space from the client side that might be a little bit more availability over time coming through than we would have thought which is great because there's more maturity in that understanding i can add in there that obviously interest rates going up there's a cap rate expansion factor there which means that there's a risk on downside risk on valuations for some of these based on the rent for me the wait and see that i'm looking at is how expensive these things actually the build when they get completed how does the market value these based i would have thought on the rental amount coming in And then is there enough in it for developers based on that general market risk we just spoke about on a policy basis and a client availability basis for this to really filter out to be not just your big institutional investors, but also your mum and dads who tying it right back to the start of this would be the ones interested in your course. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it still comes back to the key principles when you're looking at investment. Like this is not a short term game. It's not even a medium term game. It's a long term strategy. And like you're talking about exit, if your exit's any time in the next five to 10 years, I don't think I'd be bothering personally. There's so much time, energy, effort and investment into learning and understanding the space for it to succeed. Or you need to have done enough of that research to know you can't manage it yourself. And if you're going to be putting the money in and getting the building developed, you need to have partnered with someone and connected with someone who can make all those other pieces work because it will take 10 to 20 years for it to really be the stable, I guess, investment with the returns that the government are suggesting. It's not just development, is it? It's not. The other half of this is disability services. Yeah, absolutely. You're a disability service provider. And if you're not willing to be a disability service provider, you need to partner with someone who is a disability service provider. And not only that, but someone who's actually going to do a good job at it because the tenant is where the funding is. How about a final plug for the course? Plug for the course otuition.com is where you will find it you can also find it through my linkedin page also in the show notes that trent will pop up Mm -hmm. first two modules are the ones that would apply the three module package is for ot's only it's a 101 all you need to know work out if you want to be in the space or not should save you a heap of time hopefully gives you a few questions that you can jump into the live q a that you'll have access to within the first few months of of us launching it's 10 percent off at the moment So get in now. Get in now. Great. Lauren Hart, thank you so much for coming in, Matt. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!